Turn your Bibles to the book of Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, verse number 6. Numbers chapter 20, verse number 6. Numbers chapter 20, verse number 6. Now, I'm going to preach something this morning that I really need your undivided attention, so I really need your heart to pay attention. It's so easy to get distracted during the sermon because I really believe the Holy Spirit has something to say to you. In order for us to bear fruit, then it's important that we open our heart and we pay attention to what the Holy Spirit wants to say. And so... I actually, about a month ago, on a Sunday night, spoke some of this. And I had planned on speaking this on Sunday morning. And so I redid the sermon because it was something the Holy Spirit was dealing with me about. And so it's too good not for me to share it again. And what I'm doing this morning is I'm actually, if you was here about a month ago on a Sunday night, I mentioned some of this in my sermon and talked about it. And so it may be a review for some of you. Or it may not because there's other things that I felt like I missed in the sermon in preparation that I want to bring out to you today. And so I want you to open up your ears and hearts and listen to what I feel the Holy Spirit wants to say to us as a body of believers. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 20 and verse number 6. Numbers chapter 20, verse number 6. The Bible says, so Moses, Numbers 20, verse 6, so Moses and Aaron went up from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of the meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather to them, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus ye shall bring the water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and the animals. So Moses took the rod, from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Now this is what I want you to pay attention to, verse 12, Because you did not believe me, to hallow my name in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Look at verse 12 again. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, to hallow my name in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. So let's look at the word of the Lord. This morning I want to preach the thought, missed opportunities. Would you say that with me this morning? Missed opportunities. Say it one more time. Missed opportunities. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for this opportunity that we have to uh, uh, minister your word. We pray that your word would go forth in power. Your word would go forth in boldness. And I pray that everything that is said and everything that's done, I, Lord, ask that you would get the glory for it everything that's done. And I pray that our ears and hearts would be receptive, that our heart would be pliable soil, that your word would go forth to good soil, that we would hear the word, obey the word, 
and that we would bring forth much fruit. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Do you know, church, that most of us have no idea how much potential we really do possess? I mean, if you really think about it, most of us don't really know how much potential we really do possess. Do you know years ago there was a study done by scientists in the field of human potential? And they've concluded a few years ago that the human race only uses about 10% of their abilities and their potential, while 90% of the human race, their potential will lay dormant and wasted. Now I want you to think about that. That means over most of the people that you know and meet will never really fulfill their potential, for their potential will lay dormant and their potential will lay wasted in their life. That is a horrible tragedy to know that most people will never fulfill their potential, they'll never fulfill their destiny, and they will miss opportunity in their life. Most people will miss opportunity in their life because they fail to fulfill their potential. And as a result of that, have you ever thought about it? As a result of that, the graveyard is a very expensive place because right out here at the graveyard, in the graveyard, there are songs that's never been sung. There are books that's never been written. There are sermons that's never been heard. There's literature that's never been wrote. There's music that's never been played. Art that's never been seen. Medicine that's never been discovered. All because people have not fulfilled their potential. They have not fulfilled their potential and they've missed opportunity in their life. 90% of our abilities lay dormant in our life. They are wasted and as a result of that, we waste opportunities that are given to us. Somebody once said this, and I believe it. Nothing is more expensive than a missed opportunity. Nothing is more expensive than a missed opportunity. I want to ask this church a question. Why do you think people don't fulfill their potential? Why do you think that people miss opportunity? Why do you think that people abort destiny? Why do you think that some people succeed in their life and other people don't succeed in their life? Why is it that it seems to be so easy for some people to fulfill their potential while it's very difficult for somebody else to fulfill their destiny because their destiny is aborted over missed opportunities? What is the issue? Well, I have found one thing, ladies and gentlemen, that when you look at this book, when you look at the Bible, you will find that God desires partnership with the human race. He desires partnership with the human race. God will do nothing in your life unless you're obedient. You have to agree to it. God has a plan for your life. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet said to the people of God, he said, Behold, I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. You see, it's the plans the Lord has for you, not your plans. The prophet said, I know the plans God has for you. But the issue, ladies and gentlemen, is this. The plan that God has for your life will never be accomplished unless you realize there is divine partnership that God wants to have in your life. God wanting something for your life is not enough. You've got to want it for yourself. I'm going to say it again. God wanting something for your life is not enough. You've got to want it for yourself. God desires the whole human race to be saved, but not everybody's going to be saved. 
Not everybody's going to be healed. Not everybody's going to be prosperous. Not everybody's going to fulfill their potential. Because some people miss opportunity because they fail to understand that God desires partnership with the human race. And the Bible is full of people who have missed opportunities. The Bible is full of people who missed an opportunity that was given to them. And I believe that one of the prime examples of somebody that missed an opportunity is this man called Moses. Now I know you're thinking, how in the world did Moses miss an opportunity? Moses was anointed. Moses was appointed. Moses was called. Moses experienced the glory of God. How in the world is the meekest man in the world, who is Moses, a man of faith and power, a man who brought three million Jews out of the land of Egypt and brought, him into a, or brought them into the wilderness at the edge of the promised land. How in the world can this man miss an opportunity? Listen, my friends, I believe that if you look at the Bible and you look at the Scriptures about Moses, you will discover that Moses missed an opportunity. Moses missed it. Even though Moses was a great man, even though Moses was anointed and called and appointed, but Moses missed an opportunity that God had given him. And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that Moses can miss it, then you can miss it. You can miss it. Some of you are wasting your life. You're wasting potential. You're wrapped up with feelings that's not godly. You're wrapped up with perceptions that's not of God. You think things that's not true. And as a result of that, you are in your own bondage. You are in your own prison. You are held captive in a prison by your own thoughts. And your thoughts are your prison that is hindering you to fulfill your potential because you're more concerned about what everybody else thinks about you than what God's plan says He has for you. Full of insecurities, full of doubt, full of fear. And as a result, you never fulfill your potential. Your gifts and your callings lay dormant in your life because you are trapped by the fear of what everybody thinks about you. And so therefore, we go to the graveyard with songs that's never been sung, blessings that could have been given, sermons that could have been heard, but you're so bound up with issues that you're too afraid to step out and take a risk. Literature that's never been written because you're so bound by the fear that you can't do it. Our potential is going to waste because we have put ourselves in an invisible prison. Moses missed it. How did this man miss it? What caused Moses to miss the opportunity to go to the promised land? Did you just see what the Bible said? The Bible says in Numbers chapter 20 and verse number 12. They'll have the scripture behind me. Numbers chapter 20 and verse number 12. Do you remember what the word of the Lord to Moses was? The word of the Lord to Moses was this in verse number 12. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, Because you did not believe me, you didn't hallow my name in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given you. You see what God said? God said to Aaron and God said to Moses, you will not go to the promised land. In other words, Moses and Aaron, you missed an opportunity. Moses and Aaron, you missed it. You missed it. God's plan was to take his people under the leadership of Moses into the promised land and they never made it. They missed an opportunity. How in the world is this man, God's man of faith and power, 
God's man that's anointed. God's man who took a rod and split the Red Sea and his people danced across dry ground singing the Lord has delivered us from, from, from Pharaoh and his, and his army. How in the world can a man be so anointed and so called, so appointed, and yet miss an opportunity to go into the promised land? How can we as a church lift our hands and worship, sing and dance and cry and come to the front and, and feel the presence of God and yet we never, we never fulfill our potential as a church? We never fulfill our potential individually and we're still stuck. Oh, we have good church services. Oh, we feel the anointing, but we're still stuck. We preach good sermons, but we're still stuck. We're missing opportunity. We're, we're not fulfilling our potential. Things are going to waste. Moses was God's man of faith and power, but he wasn't fulfilling his potential. He never fulfilled it. He missed an opportunity. God said in verse 12, you're not going to go into the land that I have for you. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. Now, what happened in this scripture? The Bible says, the Lord said to Moses, verse 8, I want you to take a rod and I want you to, I want you to speak to the rock. And the rock is going to yield water. But what did happen? Moses got angry. Everybody shout angry on the count of three. One, two, three. Moses got angry. How do I know this? Because the Bible says, the Bible says in verse number 10, And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and said, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water from the rock? Moses is angry. Moses is frustrated. And instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock out of anger. And God said, verse 12, forget it, Moses, you missed an opportunity. Forget it, Moses, you're not going to go to the promised land. Forget it, Moses, you're out. Forget it. You missed it, Moses. You missed it. Now, the question that we got to ask ourselves, are we that, is it really serious? Just because Moses struck the rock one time, does that mean God's going to disqualify Moses over that one incident? No. Because if you dig deeper in Scripture, Moses had a problem that he never addressed. And this was showing up in his life. This was one incident of many incidences that Moses did not get a hold of. He did not get a grip of his life. And because he didn't get a grip of his life, even though he was anointed, even though he loved God, he still missed it. He still missed it. I'm convinced that sometimes we blame God for our situation when God has nothing to do with your missed opportunities. We often say it's never too late to fulfill potential. Yes, it can be too late. Your body gets old. It can be too late. Your body wears out. You can miss opportunities. You can miss it. That's why right now you've got to seize opportunity and quit putting things off till tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll, not, I'll do it tomorrow. There'll come a day where the opportunity will be missed. If you feel like you're called to preach, get on it right now. If you feel like you need to write a book, do it now. If you feel like you need to go back to school, do it now. Quit being in prison by, an invisible, by your invisible thoughts. Your thoughts 
will be the one hindrance that will stop you from fulfilling your potential. Not everything you think is true. and Not everything you think is right. Moses, what was Moses' issue? Well, let me say this. Let's, let's look at what wasn't the issue about Moses. Moses missed an opportunity to go to the promised land. The land that God wanted him to have. God wanted Moses to lead his people to this land. But Moses missed it. What was Moses' problem? Well, he's getting angry. Is anger the issue? It's not this one incident. I'm sure it reoccurred throughout his life if you look closely in Scripture. But I don't believe that anger was the issue. Let's stop here and say this. What wasn't the issue? Because sometimes we put energy in trying to fix the wrong thing. We put energy in trying to fix the wrong thing. What wasn't the issue? Well, number one, the problem wasn't worship and the glory of God. That wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't worship, and the problem wasn't the glory of God. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 20 and verse number 6, get this, this, this will be behind me. Everybody shout with me what the problem wasn't on the count of three. One, two, three. The problem wasn't worship and Everybody on the count of three, one more time. The problem, now, how do I know that? Good, look at this scripture. Numbers chapter 20 and verse number six. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. They fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. This is in the same passage that God said, you will not enter the promised land. This scripture is in the same passage that God said in verse 12, you will not enter the promised land. So ladies and gentlemen, my friends, the problem with Moses wasn't worship or the glory of God. That wasn't the problem. That's not what hindered him. He was in the presence of God. Worship and glory didn't fix Moses' problem. Worship and the glory of God didn't fix Moses' problem. You know why? Because you can't praise your way out of some things. Boy, I, I, you know, I was raised in this thing, and I've been in some wild Pentecostal church services, where, and, and, you know, and, and that's okay, nothing wrong with it, but sometimes we've got to realize is that we can't shout our way out of some things. We've got to obey our way out. I'm going to say that again. There are some things you can't shout your way out. You can't pray your way out. You can't dance your way out. You've got to obey your way out. And we want to come to church and we want to shout and we want to yell and we want to scream and I can do it with the best of them. I love it. I like it. But there comes a time in our life where we realize is that we have done that for years and we still have problems. Because the problem isn't worship. The problem isn't glory. Moses was in the glory of God. Moses experienced the presence of God. Number two, the problem wasn't the Word of God. The problem wasn't the lack of the Word of God. Now, for the sake of time, there should be Scripture references behind me. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read them to you and trust that you'll 
just trust me, look at these scripture references. Just leave the scriptures there. And I think the first one was what, Exodus 30. Now get this common denominator about Moses. You ready? Get this. We're going to start with Exodus 30, verse 11. This is the common denominator with all these scriptures. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, okay, Exodus 30, verse 17. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Exodus 30, verse 22. Moreover, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Exodus 30, verse 34. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Exodus 31, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Exodus 31, verse 12. And the Lord spoke to Moses. What's the key? Did Moses hear the word of the Lord? Did Moses hear the word of the Lord? Did Moses experience the glory of God? Now what is it, church? How can you hear the word of the Lord? How can you be in worship? How can you experience the glory of God and still miss the opportunity? Oh, I thought if I just got in a prayer line it would be okay. Sometimes it is. But we experience the power and the presence of God. The Word is good. It is good. The glory is good. Worship is good. But he still missed it. He still missed it. So what was the problem? Well, we know that Moses got angry. But I would go deeper and say this. This is the problem. Moses had an unidentified unaddressed emotional issue that he inaccurately assumed would be taken care of because he was spiritual. Can we just all read that together on the count of three? As loud as you can read it. Ready? One, two, three. Well, that was really out of order. That was just... Can we do it one more time? One, two, three. Moses had an unidentified, unaddressed emotional issue that he inaccurately assumed would be taken care of because of spirituality. Isn't that the church today? Oh, if I can just get spiritual, everything will be okay. Listen, I love spirituality. I love the Holy Ghost. I love the glory of God. I love dancing in the Spirit. I love falling out. I love all of that. But I also learn in the Bible that sometimes those things don't take care of emotional issues. Some people shout and they're still nasty. Some people still speak in tongues and still lie in English. Some people, come on somebody, I've seen people get up here and dance and shout and then have a big attitude and walk out the church with an attitude because somebody was preaching that they didn't like. You know what's wrong with you, sir? What's wrong with you, ma'am? You have spiritual immaturity in your life and your shouting for years is not taking care of the problem. I've seen Pentecostal people shout and I love all of it. And sit there with their arms folded, mad, upset, won't speak to people. That's a spiritual problem that didn't over, happen overnight. It's something you've dealt with for years. 
and we've tried to control people with our attitudes and manipulative and passive aggressiveness, those issues will stop you from fulfilling your potential. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching hard? Because I've already preached this to me six times. Because the Lord is working on me. So I'm preaching because it happened in me first. Because Pastor Josh needs to grow too. Can I hear an amen before I preach it to you? I've got to say, woe to me. How many would agree with me? Pastor Josh needs to grow. Pastor Josh needs to grow. I need to learn. I need to develop emotionally. But the problem with the church is this. I love the glory of God. I love the presence of God. I love to shout. I love all that. But I have seen in my pastorate where we've done that and people are still passive-aggressive. People still manipulate each other with their attitudes and their words. People still get mad and upset. And it is just not a one-time occurrence. They control people with their attitudes. You see, Moses missed it because it wasn't a moral issue. Moses didn't go have sex with the secretary. Moses didn't miss it because he had a problem with porn. Moses didn't miss it because he couldn't get along with his spouse. Moses missed it because of an emotional issue. It was an issue of wholeness in his life. He was angry. His anger, and when people say stuff to you in anger, believe them. Because that's exactly what they mean. Anger was his pain talking. You bunch of rebels. You no good rebels. I've pastored you for several years brought you out of the land of Egypt. You are ungrateful, unthankful. He was angry. He assumed that his calling was his healing. He assumed that since he was called of God, he was healed. Notice this. I'm almost done. Notice this. Notice this. Acts chapter 2, verse 11. Acts chapter 2, verse 11 I know this is hard preaching, but I love you, and I'm preaching to myself. All right? Somebody say amen. How many knows it's okay to preach hard once in a while? How many, so how many knows it's okay to preach hard once in a while? How many knows it's that preaching a sermon, I could, I could come up here and give you a piece of cake, or I can give you a piece of steak so you can chew on it for a little bit. And once in a while, I like cake sermons. But every once in a while, I want a little bit of steak so I can chew on it. And if we have a lot of sermons that's just cake and ice cream all the time, I'm going to develop a church that's malnourished. But if I can give you a little bit of steak once in a while and a well-balanced sermon, how many knows we can grow a strong church in the Lord? So, so, so look at this. Acts 2 verse 11, note... Notice what happens here. Acts 2.11, what happened to Moses? The Bible says it came to pass when Moses was grown, he went out to his brethren. Now this is at the beginning of Moses' ministry. 
to his brother, looked at the burdens, saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. So he looked this way and that way. When he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Did Moses kill somebody? Verse 13, And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to one, Who did the wrong? Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Well, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Did you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptians? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. So what did Moses do in chapter 2? Moses killed an Egyptian. Right? And then his friends, the Hebrew friends, pointed their finger at him and said, Are you going to kill us now? I'm sure that was hurtful to Moses because Moses thought he was doing them a favor by killing the Egyptian. And his own people got an attitude with him. His father, who's his father? Who is Moses' father? Pharaoh, right? Is that right? He was raised in Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh was like his father. And what did his father do? The Bible says, verse 15, Acts 2.15, his father, who is Pharaoh, tried to kill him. Do you see what's happening here? Moses is angry. He thought his anger was justified. He kills an Egyptian. Then, the Hebrews, he thought would be appreciative of that, turns around and says to him, are you going to kill us now? He felt rejected by his own people. He felt rejected by his own father. His father, who is Pharaoh, is out to kill him now. He feels rejected by his father, rejected by his own people. He's angry because I believe Moses' problem was rejection acceptance issues. How do I know that? Because Moses never had the presence of his mother in his life. His mother put him in a little boat and sent him down the river. It was the Egyptians that raised Pharaoh. His mother nursed him, but never nurtured him. And now when Moses gets older, he realizes he's a Hebrew, and he feels rejected by his own people. He feels rejected by his own father. Pharaoh is out to kill him now. Now Moses starts his ministry with rejection. Feeling rejected by people who should love him. He feels rejected by people who should care for him. He feels rejected by people who should be a support to him. And as a result of that, his rejection begins to speak through anger. And he goes throughout his ministry angry. Now he pastors three million people and all they wanted to do is complain. And Moses is like, I can't even feel accepted by my own people. They're ungrateful. See? He kills an Egyptian. Now, look at the progression. Chapter 3, verse 2. Just put the Scriptures back up there, the progression if you have it. Notice Acts 2. He, he kills an Egyptian. Look at chapter 3. He has an experience of the burning bush. Chapter 14. He goes to the Red Sea and is parted. 
Chapter 15, the bitter waters become sweet. Chapter 34, Moses experiences the glory of God so much, they put a veil over his face. So, do you see what's happening here? Get this. Moses never dealt with the rejection and with the anger. And he thought, because God was moving at the Red Sea, and God was moving at the waters, and the glory of God is on Moses, Moses thought his problem was okay. And this is what I want to tell you to your church, is this. Don't confuse something that's being dormant with being delivered. Can I say that again? Don't confuse something being dormant with being delivered. The issue that Moses had was dormant. And he thought because he was spiritual... He was delivered. What dormant issues do you have in your life that you are not dealing with, but you think you're okay because you experience the glory of God? Don't confuse something that's being dormant with being delivered. How do you know you're delivered? You know you're delivered when you are faced with the same opportunity again and you respond differently than you did before. That's how you know he was delivered. So, in closing, what was Moses' problem? Yes, he was angry, but anger was not the issue. Anger was a secondary emotion to the root problem. And the root problem was rejection, acceptance issues. How do I know this? His mother nursed him, but never nurtured him. Verse 14, his people rejected him. Verse 15, his father rejected him. He pastors three million people who are ungrateful and thankful and never had their acceptance. You should have left us in Egypt, Moses. We would have been better off. Moses went throughout his whole life and missed an opportunity because he never got victory over rejection. And I've seen it all my life in church. People will refuse to do and walk in their calling because they are afraid of being rejected. I feel like I'm supposed to do that, Pastor, but I don't want to be rejected. Listen, folks, rejection's going to happen. It happened to Jesus. It's going to happen to you. You're going to get angry. You're going to feel rejected. You might have had parents that you felt rejected from. You might have had people who you loved that you felt rejected from. It's going to happen. But it's your response to the rejection that determines whether you're going to miss an opportunity in your life. How are you going to respond to it? You see, you, can't, you can reschedule an appointment, but you can't reschedule a moment. 
And there comes a moment in your life that God deals with things that He wants us to deal with. And you can never reschedule a moment. You can reschedule an appointment, but moments come and moments go. There are situations we can't pray our way out. Maybe God's asking you to go and apologize to someone, and it doesn't matter how much you pray about it, it's not going to fix it. You have to go and apologize. Maybe God's asking you to restore a relationship or cut off a relationship. It doesn't matter how much you pray about it. You've got to obey your way out of it. You've got to do the right stuff. He missed an opportunity. The greatest man, one of the greatest men who ever lived was Moses. But yet this man missed an opportunity. Why did he miss it? He missed it because he had an unidentified, unaddressed, emotional issue that he inaccurately assumed would be taken care of because of his spirituality. You know what I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to not only my life, because I said I'm preaching to myself. It's a hard word, and I understand that. It's a very hard word. The Lord is speaking to me first, and I want you to understand that. He's speaking to me first because there are situations I've acted emotionally immature. I really have. So the Lord has dealt with me about this. But I believe that in our progression with God, if we're going to grow in Christ, one of the areas that we're going to have to learn to grow in is our emotional state. Some of you, you pray good. Some of you, you go to church, that's good. You're a tither. But what about the attitudes? What about the manipulative, dominating, controlling attitudes that we put people in bondage with? The passive aggressiveness, the rejection, the neediness. Those will stop us from fulfilling our potential. I read a book a few months ago called Developing an Emotionally Healthy Church. That God desires us to grow emotionally what are the characteristics of an emotionally immature person? The characteristics of an emotionally immature person is number one, egocentric. That means the world revolves around them. They control others by their moods. I know y'all ain't amen in me. They control people by their moods. Number two, they have trouble with commitment. They're excited one moment, but when something don't go their way, they're out of it. Emotionally immature. Number three, they view their feelings as truth. So if you offend them, they're true. So their offense is true. They're unwilling to hear and sit down and reconcile and collaborate. Collaboration is not a word in the emotionally immature people. They view their feelings as true. Number four, they blame others. Number five, they're passive-aggressive. They say one thing, but their actions demonstrate something else. Number six, if they feel offended, they quit. They're unwilling to move forward past how they feel. Number seven, they refuse to listen to other people's opinions. Number eight, they have an inability to compromise on issues. That is the characteristics of an emotionally unhealthy person. What about an emotionally healthy person? 
Somebody who is healthy will do this. They will seek clarification, admit they're wrong, accept their feelings, recognize that their feelings could be off and wrong. They're willing to collaborate and look at the other side. They're willing to communicate, sit down and talk. Number seven, they're willing to create boundaries in their life. Number eight, they're willing to have a pause between their feelings and how they react. Number nine, they're always full of gratitude and honor. Number ten, they have self-control in situations that's full of pressure. And number eleven, they walk in honesty. God desires to grow us emotionally in your marriage, in your relationships, in your church, how you respond to people. Grow emotionally how we respond to people. Our actions, our attitudes. Some of you are going, oh, we're going to make it to heaven. But as we are on this journey, our response, now get this, we're going to make it to heaven. We know that. But God's plan is on this journey. It's called sanctification. It's called growth. It's called getting uncomfortable. It's called the potter and the clay. It's called the chisel. That's what it's called. And when you're on the potter's wheel and he's chiseling you, molding you and making you, it's going to hurt. So if your spiritual life is not uncomfortable in certain ways, you're not growing. If you don't feel uncomfortable in certain things that the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit and you're not growing. Because you should be better today than you were last week. You should be better today than you were last year. You shouldn't be dealing with the same attitude that you had three years ago. Baby, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. And when we look at life as stewardship and ownership, that you don't own anything. You don't own your spouse You don't own anything. Your spouse is a gift. You don't own them. What makes you think you own somebody? You don't own anybody. As a matter of fact, you don't even own the breath you're breathing. It is God Almighty that decides to give you breath every morning. You don't own anything. You don't own your children. You don't own anything. And emotionally immature people become possessive. Because there's a deficit in their life they're trying to fulfill. Amen. I said amen. 